Dr. Susan Andrasier was raised in the United Kingdom. Her love for animals was strengthened during periodic trips to a relative's farm in Ireland when she was growing up. She got her veterinary degree from the Royal Veterinary College in 2002 and worked in traditional small animal practice for the next 10 years. She became curious about holistic therapies as a result of being frustrated with clinical outcomes using conventional medicine and her patients. She became certified in acupuncture and opened her own holistic practice, Acupause, in 2012. She treats her patients using acupuncture, herbal medicine, and homeopathy. She's also active in the British Association of Veterinary Herbalists and the British Association of Homeopathic Veterinary Surgeons. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Susan Andres here as we discuss her education, her time in conventional small animal practice, beginning her own holistic practice, and her involvement in organized veterinary medicine. Dr. Andres here, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So when did you know you wanted to be a veterinarian? Oh, goodness. I think it was probably when I was about um, 14 or so, and we were uh, looking at school at what we'd want to do um, in the future. And I, at the time, I thought, oh, I think I quite, would quite like to be a doctor. Um, and my dad knew one of the um, consultants at A&E. So I went there for some work experiences. I'm sure I shouldn't have been doing it at 14. But anyway, <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, I, I like medicine. It's it's interesting, you know. It's it's like being a detective. It's it's fun. It's challenging. And I thought, but ooh, people, yuck. <laughs> um, and I I loved animals and always have loved animals. And um, my one of my grandparents lived in Ireland, and and so I spent a lot of time on their farm there. And and the two just came together. And I thought, why didn't I think of that earlier? <laughs> Did you grow up in a in a rural area or in a city? No, I grew up well in a town, really a small sort of town. Um, but my grandparents lived in Ireland, and they had a small farm. And my sister and I spent, um, you know, many of our school holidays, mostly the summer holidays, over there with them. You know, looking after chickens and donkeys and dogs and um, calves and sheep and all sorts of things. So I think that's where it really kind of came from. <laughs> oh wow! Um, so, what was your vet school experience like? Uh, I think by the time I, I got to vet school, I was um, very black and white. I was one of those people who was very naive and everything that they taught me, I believed 100%. Um, and I, I hate to say it now, um, but I was one of those vets who would go, oh, homeopathy, oh, herbs. Oh, no, you just can't do that, you know. Um, and I look back now and I, I just think, oh, how, how naive and stupid I was. Um, but yeah, I, I fully admit I was I was one of those. <laughs> How many students were in your class? Um, I think in our year there was about hundred of us. Yeah, was it? What was the ratio of men to women? It was uh, nearly all women. I think. Um, I think there was maybe I don't know about 25, 30 men in our year. Yeah, yeah. So many. Did you get and as a student? Did you get any exposure to holistic medicine? No, none whatsoever. <laughs> wow. All right. So, um, what sort of practice did you want to go into after graduation? Um, I think I had always always loved farm animals, but I think I always knew that I was really going to go into small animal practice, and and that's what I did um, when I left university. Yeah. So, what sort of practice did you join? Um, initially, I joined a very very busy, uh, very large practice uh, with hospital status, and it was uh, baptism of fire. 
Um, but looking back, I think it was a great experience to have. I mean, it was incredibly busy. It was very, very stressful and very pressurizing, but they had an amazing team there. You know, everybody was under the same stress and pressure and we all just pulled together and help e- helped each other out. Um, and yeah, it was a, a very, very steep learning curve, but I'm, I'm forever grateful that that's the practice I went to um, because it was, it was a fantastic experience. Um, did you, so did you feel like there was, that school didn't really repa- uh, prepare you for real life, so to speak, in practice? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah. No, it, it didn't, but I, I don't know how else, it, I don't know how much more it could have prepared me, if that makes sense. I suppose I was also quite lucky in that um, one of the practices that I did my senior practice, my EMS at, um, they did a lot of charity work. So I'd been able to, before I started um, as a proper vet, so to speak, I'd already done spays and castrates and things like that. So I suppose, you know, really, I was quite lucky that I had had experience of those before I started in a real job. Um, but I think I think it's there's so much that you you just learn on the job, really, um, and it's very difficult to prepare for. I think. Oh, yeah. things anyway. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, I think dealing with people as well. I think that comes with experience as well. And, and you know, the only way to get that experience is just to do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so how many doctors were in that first practice? Oh, my goodness. Um, at least 15, I think. Oh, so it was a large practice. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You had lots of branch surgeries and, um, and things like that. So when you said it had hospital status, tell me, explain that to me. So at that time in the UK, I guess it's kind of similar now, um, but not so much then. There weren't very many practices that had hospital status. And to get it, I suppose, um, you know, you had to be inspected and you had to have certain types of facilities. So your operating theatres would have to be to a certain standard. Your um, kennel rooms would have to be to a certain standard, the certain equipment that you would have to have um, to to become a practice with hospital status. So, And in those days, there weren't very many of them. So it was a kind of a, a big thing to have, I suppose. Oh, yeah. So did you have to do emergencies as well? Yes. Yeah. At that time um, in that practice, when you were on duty, you actually have to stay at the practice, which is quite unusual, I think, for a lot of places. Um, And as a young vet, that was terrifying. Um, (laughs) I just, yeah, I remember just being so scared as a young vet being there, you know, thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got five front surgeries in this hospital and it's all on me. Um, So, um, so, yeah, it was um, it was stressful, but I, I did learn a lot, an awful lot there. Oh, um, and we, we always had we had a nurse with us which was which was brilliant and they were just invaluable um I do remember it was a, a very busy city practice and there were some not so nice areas of the city and I sort of look back now as a you know 24 25 year old um going back around these dodgy areas in the middle of the night um you just didn't think about it then and I look back now and I sort of feel horrified <laughs> oh yeah um so how often would you have to be on call and, and spend the night? Um, you did one night um, out of every sec- seven and um, one full weekend out of every four or five and then a half weekend, a sort of similar kind of um, time. And it was, um, yeah, it was exhausting. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, that's a pretty heavy schedule. For, I mean, to, to think seeing emergencies for a clinic of that size, uh, that be a lot of work yeah it was it was but I learned a lot as well so yeah (laughs) sure sure so where did you go next 
Um, so then I, after, I don't know, I think it was about two or three years, I stayed there um, and I decided I wanted to try something new and do something different. So I went to a completely different practice, which was um, very, very small. It was only three vets. Um, and that's where I went to, you know, it's also a small animal practice as well. Um, and I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> Um, and it wasn't a good experience there and actually made me question really whether it was what I wanted to do, whether I still wanted to be a vet or not. Um, and then I suppose I I, I thought, well, I, OK, maybe this isn't the right practice for me and I'll, I'll look elsewhere. So I applied for a job in another hospital status practice, so, so another large practice. Um, and I got a job there and that was where I spent the rest of my time as a general practitioner. How many, roughly how many doctors were in that third practice then? It's a similar size, similar size to the first one. So yeah, yeah it's about 10, 10 or so probably. Yeah. Were the on-call responsibilities this sort of similar to the first place? Well, this job had absolutely no on-call whatsoever. So it was brilliant. Uh. <laughs> I had to do every other Saturday morning um, uh, and that was it. So I was um, incredibly lucky. For some reason, they just had one vet job that, that didn't have any on-call and it just so happened that that was the one I was applying for. Um, so yeah, so I was very lucky. and. Uh, um, yeah, enjoyed not having to be on call. <laughs> oh, yeah. So had you started a family by, at that point? or No, no, I hadn't actually um, by then. So I think I'd been working there for a, a few years um, before I, I started having kids. Um, but still, and that, and that was a good, it was a good experience as well. Again, it was another very busy practice. Um, the practice was a lot. They'd recently changed um, their hospital premises. And so the, the new hospital was completely purpose-built. And it was, it was amazing. I was very lucky to have been able to work there. Ah, um, so when did, when did the idea of doing holistic medicine come up? Well, it didn't, didn't come up for ages. I think um, when I was a child, my German grandmother would often talk to me about herbs and would often tell me things, um, you know, various herbs that you could use for various things and things that helped. Um, she was very keen on peppermint tea and seemed to use that for everything. But um, that, initially had my sort of interest as a child and I remembered that and then as I said when I went to um, veterinary school everything changed it was all for me it was all very black and white and I wasn't interested in that at all um, and then I think I started I started sort of questioning not questioning myself but just sort of thinking you know I'm seeing all these all these animals here and all I'm doing is is doling out drugs basically and it kept making me think well there must be some 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 other way um, and that got me interested in acupuncture. So that was the first thing I trained in. And I have to admit, even at that time, I was still quite anti anything else. I could, my brain could cope with acupuncture, but not anything more than that. And um, so I trained in acupuncture and um, I'd had three children quite close together. And so it just so happened that when I came back after having the third um, child, basically my entire salary was going into paying childcare. And my husband said, you know, this is a bit silly, really. Mm. And he said, why don't you set up on your own just doing acupuncture? Um, I thought that seemed incredibly scary, but I thought if I don't ever try it, I'll, I'll never know. So, um, so that's what I did and started off very slowly and just doing home visits and things like that um, and working only a few hours a week. Um, and, and as I did that and I got to know my clients more, um, they would often say things like, oh, I've used this homeopathic remedy for that and it's been really good. Or what do you think about this? And I had to sort of stand there and think, oh, well, I've got no idea what you're talking about. And then the more research I did into it, the more I thought, oh, my goodness, this is 
there is there's something here you know um there's more I can do holistically without drugs and and that got me into everything else really so how are the acupuncture courses structured there is it how, how much time did you have to take away to go so when I did mine, um, thinking back now, it's a long time. Um, I think it was only, I think it was split into two um, and two sections of eight days. So no, sorry, two sections of four days. So a total of eight days. Um, and what I did was I, um, we learned a little bit of traditional Chinese medicine because obviously you have to for, for acupuncture, but it wasn't, it was mainly based on Western medical acupuncture, um, the course that I did. So and so at the time when your husband had this suggestion, how, was that, how common was that sort of practice there? I don't, don't think it was very common at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew if you, I, I didn't know anybody else that was doing what I was doing at the time, um, but I did know a few other sort of holistic vets. Um, and maybe it was was more common than I knew at the time because I just didn't know anybody. But I, I think it's become I think there's more of a demand for it now than there was um, when I first started. Yeah. And did you, so you did house calls then? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't afford to, um, to yeah. have a premises or anything like that. Yeah. So that's, that's all I did. And um, yeah, I think I was quite naive when I first started. I think I just assumed that other vets would automatically refer to me because I was a vet. Um, and I think I didn't really anticipate particularly at the time, even acupuncture wasn't really that well accepted. Um, so it was it was harder than I thought it was going to be um, getting started. But once you you get your name out there, so to speak, and, um, you know, clients would tell their friends or tell their vets or and then, you know, I'd get referrals from other vets and it, it gradually built up. But it was it was quite slow to start. Oh, I bet. So if I'm doing my math right, it's been about nine years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to I mean, marketing is so much different in that time. I mean, since 2012. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't really have, um, I think I had a Facebook page or anything like that, or certainly not Facebook for business yeah. um, or anything like that. And I think I, um, yeah, I remember going around to, to different vets and to introducing myself and leaving them some information. And I traveled around to hydrotherapy pools and to pet shops and, you know, things like that, just leaving my cards to mm-hmm. anybody who would, who would take it really. Um, whereas now I think it's, it's a lot easier, um, you know, with social media and stuff like that. So have, I, I get a sense, but tell me how you get more veterinary referrals now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I get, still get loads from, you know, clients telling their friends or uh, colleagues or things like that. Um, but yeah, I do get a fair few more um, veterinary referrals now. Yeah. I think it's an advantage here in the States for my practice is similar that I don't do any traditional care and that it's non-threatening to a traditional veterinarian, you know, to have their, their patient go to someone who won't keep them, so to speak, you know, mm. So I imagine that that might have been an advantage for you too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that helps. I'm not offering you know any normal stuff, so to speak. Um, but there are still certain practices that um, even now, um, even though I've seen lots of patients from them, that they still struggle with the whole idea. Um, but that's just how people are, I suppose. <laughs> oh, sure. Acceptance is still going to be difficult. But um, so, so how far along into your practice were you before you started pursuing other training? I'd say maybe a year, maybe a year and a half at most um, before I started thinking, 
mean, initially I sort of thought, oh, well, I really just should find out more about this because uh, I don't really know anything about it. And, and then that sparked my interest and things went on from there, really. Um, and I trained um, both in herbal medicine and in homeo- homeopathy at sort of at the same time, not at the same place. They were completely different courses, but was was doing them both at the same time. Did that involve travel or were you able to do that mostly from home? No, no. Again, um, in those days, um, it wasn't really that long ago, but webinars and things like that weren't uh, as common perhaps as they are now. So um, mm-hmm. both the courses I went to um, were in-person courses. So you'd spend sort of um, one weekend or maybe three days or so um, every other month um, doing the courses and over a period of years and um, with various exams and things like that um, until you got to the end. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like doing doing both herbal medicine and homeopathy at the same time? I loved it. I, I really, um, I suppose I'm one of those people who's a continual learner, I suppose, and I'm always learning something. Um, and I found them both incredibly interesting. Um, and I, I personally think they actually fit very well together. I think the three acupuncture, herbal medicine, homeopathy go well together. Some people I think probably disagree and some people are... Um, you know, think that that you can't mix them or you can't mix them much, but I I find using them together um, really benefits my patients. So, yeah, it was hard work, I suppose, running a family, running a business, and then trying to do all the learning as well. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, do you have a facility now? Um, well, yes, yeah, I have. Um, my friend opened a practice some years ago, and then she recently bought a branch surgery. And behind the branch surgery is really, I think the only way you can describe it is a glorified shed. And she said, well, um, I need a little bit of that for space for the for the practice, you know, to put our things that we don't want in inside the practice. She said, but you can have the other half or you can rent it from me. You have to do it up yourself. Um, but but you can do that. And I, I don't pay much rent. So I you know, painted it, I laid the floor, I, I did all that sort of thing. So it really is, it's only a room, but it's um it's my room. <laughs> and so that's that's mainly where I'm based. I still do um home visits and I also um do a clinic one day a month just at a different location. Um and I work one day a week at a practice that does both um conventional um first opinion stuff but also does holistic referrals as well. Do you find that um it keeps you current? Than to do that. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, when I first started doing it, which was just over a year ago, um, it was quite scary because I hadn't done a lot of the stuff for a, for a long time. Um, you know, as you said, nine years. Um, and so it it did and still does take me out of my comfort zone. But I think that's a good thing. Um, I think, like you say, to keep current, you can read about things and you can do webinars and and things like that. But unless you're actually doing it, I think it's I think that makes it easier to to learn these things and to stay current because you're constantly getting these cases and you think, oh, okay, now I've got to work out what I what I do with that and what I would have done with it ten years ago might be slightly different to what I'm supposed to do with it now. So, so yeah, so I, it takes me out of my comfort zone, but I really I enjoy it and um, and it's good fun and and the other thing is it's it's being with people. So where I am on my own in my my little shed, it is just me and actually it's really nice one day a week just to go and work with other people and to chat about things and cases and stuff like that, really. Yeah. I was going to ask you that anyway, that, that just the <laughs> idea of, you know, just being around other professionals. 
yeah, I have to say before before I, I started this, as I said, just over a year ago, um, it was quite lonely. I would say um, that was one of the downsides of running your own business and being just you um, is, yeah, it is quite lonely. <laughs> How do you structure your time for your house calls? Do you do you do it a certain day a week or do you, you know, are you in the, in the office and then on the road in a, in a day? Well, I try, I try very hard to be strict with myself, but I'm not very good at that. Um, so I try to see patients, um, on a Monday and a Friday, um, uh, in, in my, where I'm based. Um, and then every Thursday I go to this external practice. And so my aim is always to try and do my home visits on one day, for example, it might be a, a Tuesday and then have a Wednesday to do paperwork and things like that. So that's the plan. Um, whether that really happens that way or not, um, <laughs> it often doesn't, but I think that's my aim. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a staff member or no? When it's, when no, you're out? no, it's okay. just me. <laughs> And then, so how do you work out um, prescriptions? How do you get get those to the client? Do you are you pulling taking inventory to the practices you're going to, or no? So um, where I work for myself um, in my glorified shed, I it's basically just me and my equipment, um, and I don't really keep my herbs or my homeopathic remedies there at all. I keep all those at home so that. It means, you know, I can work the evenings if I want to, or, you know, if the kids are playing, then I can quickly do some work at home. I don't have to go somewhere to do it. So it does kind of blur the lines between work and home, which is unfortunate. Um, But for me, it works better that way. And again, I I try to be strict with myself and I, I try to say to people when they email me saying they want their prescriptions, you know, I say I'm going to the post office on Saturday or something like that so that I know I've got the next few days at some point to prepare the prescription and then get it to the post office. And I try to make sure that I'm doing that with several cases at once rather than having to go, um, you know, every day or something like that. Yeah. And then refills, you'd handle the same way. Yeah. 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 That's that's what I do. It's, I, I have a few things um, at my premises that I, I routinely use and I dispense those at the, at the time of the consultation. Um, but because a lot of what I do involves work up after the consultation, so it's easier for me to do that at home and, and just have everything at home and, and then post out or as needed or sometimes the owners come and pick it up. Yeah, that makes sense. Has it been difficult, say, for instance, when you're at your the practices on a schedule, if you're doing acupuncture, is it people are they willing to see you on that day or do you get any pushback no, from that? no not really um I think um you know I think if you say I only work on these days then um, most people actually are okay I can get there in lunchtime or I can um get there in this time or, or, or whatever and and actually as time has gone on I think flexi working is much more common um, and particularly at the moment obviously a lot of people working from home so it's got much more easier as time's gone on to be able to say no I only work in these hours and nearly all people can can work around that um I do pretty much only work in school hours as well so um I am quite limited um in the time that I work but it, it seems to work well so far good so uh, the one practice you mentioned takes holistic referrals is there another holistic practitioner there yeah, yeah. There's um, three of us in total, um, and usually when I'm there, there's just there's just one other vet there as well. Yeah, um, which is it's really nice actually. I really enjoy it. Is that's probably nice to be able to just discuss cases in that way, right? It is. It's it's really nice and it's really useful. And um, 
yeah, I mean, sometimes all you need is to say, oh, I've got this case and this is what I'm doing. And, and somebody else looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, no, I would do the same. Or have you tried this? Have you tried that? So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Do they have similar training to you? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, the other vets there are more traditional Chinese medicine trained, I think, um, whereas I'm more Western medical trained, both acupuncture and with my herbs as well. Um, but I think we all work well together and um yeah. I think that would be beneficial to have different points of view on, you know, no. rather than have three doctors that are trained in Chinese medicine to, you know, just a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. How has, has COVID changed the way you work? Are you, are people coming into your little shed? <laughs> yeah. They're coming into my little shed now, which is, which is nice. Um, initially, initially I shut down completely because, um, initially our advice as vets in this country anyway was that um it was only emergencies that you could see and really you know you can't really argue that there's going to be many acupuncture emergencies um and things like that so I initially didn't see anybody and then I was starting to know that my patients were really starting to suffer because they weren't having their treatment um and so I decided myself actually no now it is important I start to see people and luckily by that point it was the summer or it was getting warmer anyway so I was lucky in that I was able to do most of the um treatments outside or if not we could do it just inside with the door open um and the windows open and that sort of thing obviously and maintaining distance and wearing masks and everything else uh, and initially I really only saw a, a handful of, of cases um you know the ones that really really needed it um I also had three children to homeschool as well, which was a challenge. And then, you know, as as things eased a little bit, um, seeing more people. And now I would say it's almost back to normal, except that we we wear masks. Um, and yeah, yeah. So people are coming into the shed now, which is good. <laughs> good. Um, back when you started, how so? How did you get around the childcare issue? Did you arrange for childcare just for brief periods, and that's when you go out and do your do your house calls? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we did. Um, uh, yeah, well, I can't remember how many hours it was, but it was maybe a total of two short days, I suppose. Um, and so those days, that was the time that I was either going out to see people or traveling around to vets and to pet shops and things like that. And, um, you know, I tried to give talks um, and leave leaflets and, and things like that. So, um yeah, yeah. And then as as they got older and as they started to go to school, you know, you get a little bit more time and you, and you sort of building up a business was the perfect way to do it, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how do you how do you work the communication with your clients now? Are they are you doing phone calls, email? How does that how does that work? How do you guys stay in touch? Um, I try to do mostly texting and email because that's easier for me. You know, if I've if I've got a spare two minutes where the kids are quiet or not wanting me, it's much easier to start an email and then be distracted from that email than it is to have a phone call because then you can't really really go and leave the phone call. Um, so most of my communication is done via email um, or text text message, um, and and then obviously a DD phone calls as well. Yeah. Uh, during the COVID time or even before, did you do any telemedicine? I didn't do any before COVID at all. Um, and then I started to do a fair bit. And I, st I still do do quite a bit more than I did before COVID started anyway. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's definitely, it's provided some challenges, I think, particularly with homeopathy. 
you really need to see the animal and to assess its energy. And I find that quite difficult to do sometimes via Zoom. Um, There's ways around it. You can get the owners to take videos and, and things like that, but it's never quite the same as, as seeing the animal in the flesh, so to speak. I do find that's that's easier. Oh, yeah. Um, but what I do sometimes now is I'll sometimes really try to arrange to see the animal at least once for their initial consultation. And that way, at least you you get a feel for them and, and you get to know what their energy is like. And then from that point on, unless it's something that you really need to see, um, you know, a lot of that can then be done via Zoom. So I do have quite a few of those cases. Uh, what's the legality of 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 that? Can you, um, are you allowed to see, to uh, prescribe for patients you haven't seen? Yes, I think at the moment, um, I think we have been able to until fairly recently, but I'm not prescribing any conventional medicines. So mm-hmm. I think that the rules are slightly different. I think I could be wrong about this, but I think at the moment they've just stopped remote prescribing for conventional medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, but so long as I make sure a patient is registered with me and I try to do that by seeing them in person, mm-hmm. um, then um, I'm, I'm okay to do that so long as I'm happy. Um, with the situation and I, I do very occasionally I will still see some patients via Zoom so patients for example that just have no other holistic vets near them yeah. I think you've just got to be careful and I think you've got to have good communication with their general practitioner vet um, and everybody's got to be happy with the situation so if it's that kind of a situation I always check with the with their usual vet that that they are happy to work with me um, and if then if they're not then I wouldn't wouldn't take the case sure how does that go? Do you mostly get approval then? Yeah, mostly. Um, I think often when it's the owner that requests it, um, then then they'll go with it. I, I don't get very many that just go no. Um, in fact, I don't yeah. think I ever get any. I get some that aren't really as on board as I'd like, but um, I don't really get very many that refuse. Would it be that we have somewhat of a situation here where we may have lay trained herbalists or homeopaths that work with pet owners? Is that much of a an issue there? Uh, no, no. In the UK, um, to diagnose or prescribe, you have to be a veterinary surgeon. So there really, there isn't really a way that you could have a human homeopath or a human herbalist prescribed for animals. It would be against the law. Um, so no, we're in, in some ways we're lucky in that way. It doesn't stop some people, but, um, they're not supposed to do it. <laughs> sure. No. And I, I think at least on my end, it, it's helpful that, you know, veterinarian sees me as another veterinarian at least. And, and, they, and there's yeah. a bit of a, there's, there's a little bit of a trust there then. Yes. Yeah. I think that must help. <laughs> so, and you've also been involved in, in, what do we say? Organized veterinary medicine and in, in groups for your, for homeopathy and herbal medicine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, at the moment, I am the chairperson of the BAVH, which is the British Association of Veterinary Herbalists. Um, And I'm a member of the BAHVS, which is the British Association of Homeopathic Veterinary Surgeons. Um, So I try and be as involved with them, with those guys as possible. And they're they're two great groups, really. Um, You know, they're very supportive um, of all our members. And, you know, everybody, I think everybody feels comfortable to ask questions and um, ask about cases and things like that. Uh, It's it's really, they're two really good groups, actually. I don't know what I'd do without them. (laughs) Are those those groups that would physically, pre-COVID, would they physically get together? Yeah, so I would say probably about once a year, pre-COVID, each group would probably have a 
you know, CPD session or meeting or something like that um, to to go to, um, which is always nice. And and then I think because of COVID, we certainly haven't had any at the um, BAVH, and I think there might be one at the BAHBS. But um, yeah, hopefully things will start to get back to normal and we'll do some more face-to-face stuff. <laughs> yeah. So are, are those groups involved in training at all or are they just membership groups? They're really just membership groups. Um, yeah, they're just membership groups, but but they're, they're very supportive. So, um, you know, we certainly have vets that are recently trained either in herbal medicine or homeopathic medicine. Um, you know, they can come on the groups and ask uh, questions or, or say they're having a case and, um, you know, has anybody got any advice or anything like that? Nice. So where do you see your practice going from here? Oh, gosh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I always thought as the kids got older that I would expand it and um, start to do a little bit more, which I'm I'm trying to do. But I think the kids are quite used to having me around. And so it has been quite hard um, to get them to understand that I'm not always going to be around, uh, you know, when they go back from school and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it will come. And um, I don't think I don't think I will ever expand it to having other vets involved um, or anything like that, because I think I would find that quite stressful. So I'm, I'm quite happy being just me, but I think I would expand it to, to work a few more hours. It's a big step to take somebody on, you know? It is. And I think it's, it's quite scary. Yeah. (laughs) Or I think it's scary. (laughs) Yeah. Just have to find your comfort zone with where you're at. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, you know, at the moment it works very well for me. Um, and I'm happy with, with where it's at and, um, I wish I was a bit more organized. That's, that's my big downside. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's minor, I think. Well, (laughs) Susan, thanks so much for your time. It was, it was really great talking to you and I really enjoyed the webinar you did for CIVT. I hope we can get you to do some more for us too. Oh, thank you. It was great talking to you too. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.